0: You are listening to the Photo Bomb Podcast with the world's greatest photographers, Boo ray and Gary.
1: Welcome to the Photobomb Podcast. My name is Boo Ray Perry and joining me as always is Gary Hughes.
0: Here we are again. What's going on? <laughs> what?
1: <laughs> Okay, I know you strive to say hello in a different manner every single week, and I know that's been two years of that. But that's the I like first to time. Keep it fresh, I think it's yeah. the first time you've actually sang in Is the it? intro. I may be though. I I know it, it caught me off guard. I know that.
0: I find that hard to believe that it's the first time. Uh, but you know, 112 episodes mm-hmm. in, I'm not. I don't have the strikes to argue. I'm just going to say yes, and and you know what, you're welcome. Okay, so,
1: so let's just right off the ra- let's go right off the rails first thing on this I week's love, podcast. I love going off the rails. Did you see the story this week about United Airlines? Last week it was Leggingsgate.
0: Leggingsgate. And this disgust. week
1: they dragged someone off of a plane. Did you see this now in this this is a big I, I story saw, that's making the rounds? Oh, I'm, you've been very just, busy.
0: I just I've been busy, but I, I briefly logged into Facebook and I saw one person make a reference to it, but it wasn't a link or anything. And I did yeah. put it on the old mental chalkboard to go back and look at it. Yeah, they,
1: I, yeah. They dragged a well, the guy I, off a plane uh, because he wouldn't give up his seat. They were bumping him, and uh, he wouldn't give up his seat, and so the security came on and dragged him off the plane. He didn't fight. He was you know calmly. They dragged him off the plane uh, because he wouldn't give up his seat, uh, and of course now you know the backlash has uh, begun. Why? What was he? Why, why did they want him to give up his seat? Well, you know there was a huge uh, chaos uh, with flying um, in the last few days, right? There was some yeah, there were a lot of
0: storms and a lot of a lot of canceled
1: flights. Yeah. So they were overbooked and they had to uh, the book the plane was full and they had to have four more seats because they had four pilots that had to get to another destination to fly another plane, and so they had to bump four people to get those pilots to that destination, and there was no place else they could put those pilots to put them on another plane because every plane was overbooked and every plane was full because of these huge problems with weather so someone's got to go and they offered nine hundred dollars to anyone who give up their seat and no one would and so they had a random drawing uh, via computer for four people and he said i'm not giving up my seat uh he said i'm a doctor and i have patients i have to see tomorrow and they said then you'll be forcibly removed and they dragged him off the plane and and here we are today
0: oh my gosh yeah can you imagine the process by which your, your, your random selection and knowing that being the one to select and knowing that it was completely random you could just go no but I mean I've never even heard of anything like this before
1: well here's the thing you know me I like to try and look at both sides so I you know I looked at it and I was like okay why why would this even happen how did how does the planes get overbooked and and you know and I was talking to Bobby about it today Bobby was like listen I paid for that ticket I'm on that plane and you know you're Your problem with getting your pilots to another destination is not my problem. I paid for my ticket, and I'm on this plane, and you need to take me there. And I get that. However... They overbook the flights on purpose because that's how they, they maximize their, uh, their efficiency, and we are the beneficiaries of that. The reason you can pay $69 to fly to Chicago is because they manage to fill feel, feel just about every seat on every plane, and they do it by overbooking, and they have these complex computer models that tell them how many people are going to miss the plane, et cetera, et cetera. And that's why with most tickets, if you show up late to the gate and the plane has pulled away and you're like, oh, my gosh, I got caught in traffic, they will say to you, no problem, we'll get you on the next flight. That's why they can do that. Because they, are, they allow for the fact that people miss their planes. And then when there's a giant problem like a weather thing, chaos erupts. When you buy a ticket, it's in the writing of the ticket that they have the right to pull you off the plane. They have the right to refuse to fly you. They have to pay you if they do, but they have a right to refuse to fly you. So while I agree it's a crappy thing to do, the bottom line is if you want $69 flights to Chicago, you got to accept that the airline can yank you off the flight.
0: I just can't believe that there wasn't somebody on the plane who had not really nothing going on. <laughs> you
1: know right. I mean? Well, like, here's what's funny is today I read a story. Before I read this story, I read another story that a woman wrote in Forbes magazine where this this weekend when everything was going on, they went to the airport. There was, there was three of them and they were going to uh, Florida and they went to the airport and they allowed themselves, they volunteered to be bumped to another flight and they took $1,400 a piece for the bump. And then when they went to the flight that they had been bumped, They offered to do it again, and then on the third flight, they said, what if we just canceled completely? And when it was all said and done, they did not fly to Florida, and they got $11,000. Yeah, I I would totally be okay with that. (laughs) Yeah, $11,000 they got for canceling their trip to Florida for the weekend.
0: There wasn't just some dude coming back from his ski vacation or something just going like, yeah, bro. I mean, if I saw somebody putting up a fight like that, unless I was flying with my family or something, I'd be like, okay, look, I'll just – I'll just go late. Right. Like, I'm fine with it. Like, I'll go. I can't I can't imagine a plane with three hundred people on it. There isn't one person that would have just gone, look, let the baby have his bottle <laughs> 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 and I'll just and I'll go. You know, give me you yeah. know, I would have said, Make make it a cool fifteen
1: hundred and I'll go instead of him. Right. How about that? Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, absolutely. I, I, that's that's what I would have done. And here's the other thing about that though, that and, and I totally get my wife and I get the whole hey, I paid for the ticket and everything, but there's also a whole other thing inside of that, which is the whole Um, It's like when the cop tells you to put your hands on the hood of the car... I don't care how much you think you're in the right and that you shouldn't have to put your hands on the hood of the car. You better put your hands on the hood of the car because if you say no, you're now entering into a whole different area of an argument. The argument now is not about whether or not you should put your hands on the car. The argument is about whether or not I'm going to allow you to not do what I tell you to do when I'm a cop. Well, it's the same thing with a plane. Once they tell you you're off the plane, if you say no, well, now all that stuff is out the window. Now it's about the fact that you don't get to tell an airline... That they have to that they have to keep you on the plane. It doesn't work that way, and I you know I'm sorry. And once you've crossed that line, now you're getting off the plane, dude, one way or the other. <laughs> exactly. You know, if, yeah, if you're sorry. that
0: sore over it, I'm sure that you know you could get the law involved later through the legal system or some kind of action. That well, here's way or the thing:
1: customer service issue. I don't think you can because, like I said, if you look at the small print, they have a right to pull you off the plane. The guy's actually really smart. He didn't resist, and now there's all this video, and it's going to be on Jimmy Fallon. Tonight that he was dragged off this plane with the video, and so you know that now United is going to have to give him a chunk of money. So you you know, in in a way, he was smart to do it that way. I can get off the plane for nine hundred, or I can let you drag me off and get fifty thousand. Yeah, (laughs) you know, you know, but that's what it's going to come down to.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, all the flights uh, on all the airlines, and this happens seemingly so little where it comes to something like this. You know what I mean? But. I I got I got to think that at some point somebody on that flight should have gone like, all right, let's just pick randomly one more person. Um, But you know that guy. Do you think he's going to just fly United all smug faced? Yeah, but you can't
1: can't say let's pick randomly one more person because then that person is going to go. Well, listen, if he said no, I'm saying no. The bottom line is we're in this boat together, and once we decided we're going to pick straws and you lost, then you're the one who gets eaten. I'm sorry. You don't get to, you don't get to say, you know, you, you lost, and that's the way it goes. We don't redraw because you don't like the outcome. Uh, but he's going to end up with a boatload of money and famous, and, you know, so it's, it's all good for everybody. Uh, but I did think it was one of those interesting situations where, uh, you know, when you first hear it, it sounds like one thing, but then when you really look at it, it's everybody's kind of got a point. You know, everybody's kind of got a point. Yeah, it's, it, there's
0: no there's no clear-cut, uh, you know, right or wrong answer to this. It's just a crappy situation. But it is it is pretty good because it makes really good uh, content for uh, Jimmy Fallon and
1: everybody else <laughs> exactly. who really wants to hear it. So I went, did uh, a, a, I went and did a job today. I went and shot headshots today, <clears throat> a job uh-huh. that you referred me on. Right. How'd it go? It went great, and I thought the pictures looked great. But I wanted to point out that after I had shot them and I was editing them, I went to their website. Uh, to look to see how they were cropping them, you know they I know they were doing a horizontal shot, but how you know they were doing but they're doing that like a, almost a two one ratio right and when you look at the page of thumbnails, it is so easy to immediately see which ones you shot you know <laughs> there is definitely a Gary Hughes style, and when you look at the page the whole th- you're like there's gary, there's Gary, there's Gary, there's Gary, and then there's others where you're like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry. That, I'm, I'm sorry that Gary wasn't available that day. You know, it's like, they're scary like, there's scary, there's Gary, there's Gary, there's scary. And I think I did a pretty decent job because I basically just try to mimic your style, really in all things, uh, life and business now. I just try to mimic your style. Oh,
0: gosh. I saw this. You did a setup shot, I think, I saw on Facebook. Of, right. Like, you're kind of behind these. And I was like, hey, that's pretty much what I use. Well, so that's sure because it's I stole be it fine. directly from
1: you. I asked you. I'm like, when you shot these, for the, did, what did you do? You're like one light and a reflector. I'm like, okay, well, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try and do exactly what you do. I have just given up the headshot to you. I've just decided, you know, you have to reach a point where you have somebody you know who is so good at something that you're just not going to really try anymore. You're just going to do whatever they tell you. And that's basically what I do when it comes to headshots. I'm just like, what's Gary say I should do? I'll just do what Gary tells me. I'll well, just do I, Gary you know, fight. that's
0: very nice of you to say, but it does bring up an interesting topic of conversation, which is... You called me because the, the, the way that this went down – and if you go back a few episodes, there is a, there is a story where you were talking about shooting at a building outside for this company and then they came up and, they, and the security guard wouldn't let you shoot outside. Right. And I thought, man, that's happened to me too. And as it turns out, it was the client that I had that I had referred to you because I couldn't shoot it. Right. And then as it goes on, when – because uh, I, I think this is something that we should talk about I do too. and That's
1: why I mentioned it because I wanted to lead into this discussion. You, I think it's a good one.
0: Because I referred the job to you, and I didn't hire you to go shoot it under my company. I referred the job directly to you. I said, "I know this guy; he can do it. He's going to do a great job." It was two headshots. It was you know, it wasn't yeah, a huge but, deal. Not, but when, and then they called you back.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Instead – because they uh, – they, it's not like somebody new took the job and they said, you know, who do we use and you were the last person to use. Like they already knew about me and they know that we come out there from Orlando to Tampa, which is about two hours drive away, to do the work. And, um, you know, and this is a client I work for three or four times a year. They would come out and we shoot three or four people at a time. The initial job I think was something like 20 people and it's been over a couple of years. But they called you back and asked you to come back and shoot more. And then the first thing that you did was you called me
1: to see if I was okay with it. Yes, which uh, to me is abs- – there's no question that that's the first thing I would do.
0: Well, yeah, but see, you were you were, worri- you were worried about it. But the truth was that the date that they wanted to shoot, I'm not even available anyway. I have another big job on that same day. So had it come – had they called me, I would have referred it to you Anyway, but like – so when you um, when you refer somebody to do a job for one of your clients, do you directly hire somebody to go shoot it for you or do you just refer it out and what are the consequences of those decisions? Because this is one of those times where it's – and believe me, this isn't anything that I'm – in this particular case because you and I have talked all, about all, all this already, but in these situations – Do you have, uh, like, paperwork that you have anybody sign on the job or any kind of no-compete or anything like that you do? And if it happened to you and you were going to refer a job to somebody else in your area, how would you handle it?
1: Well, you know, I think it's it's a question of do you want to be that guy? You know, I mean, because that's a whole other road to go down as a businessman and a photographer. Do you want to be the guy who has other people working and shooting under your name who now – This enables you to make a little bit more money uh, because, you know, you've got to pay them. You're not going to make as much money as if you did the job, but you're still making a little bit more money. But it also means that you are now responsible for how they behave and for how they shoot and for the job that they do and that they can ruin your reputation. And I think that that's a big step for people to make to decide, do they want to make that step? You know, do they want to do do that? the,
0: The business model is what it really depends on, like you had just kind of touched on, is that... Uh, most photographers I know fall somewhere in between the spectrum of having a volume business and you have multiple shooters and there are companies that do this like real estate photography companies that have a bunch of people that work for them and they go out and they shoot these listings for a lot of them but for a small amount of money and it's just a whole bunch of shooters that they employ. Or there's, there's actually a company – that um, does headshots all over the world and they hire a local person to, sh- to go and shoot as them and it's a high volume business model and then the other end of the spectrum are the photographers where their business is built around them specifically as the artist and I think that's most portrait and wedding photographers that, that we know are like they are the person who does the shooting and I noticed that um, for me in our business a lot of what I do is easily replicable for example like a, a headshot job it's nothing that I'm doing for a lot of my clients it's like it's a headshot with a 2 to 1 light Ratio on a white background, and it's not really that difficult to replicate. So, I'm not worried about the quality of the work, and I typically nowadays have a couple of photographers that I usually use to go and shoot jobs like that for me so that I can get more done in my business. I either have shoots in the studio going on or I'm working on the business or doing marketing or creating advertising materials or working, drumming up new business and working on new clients and I have the other people going out and doing the stuff that's very easily replicable and it does, it increases your ability to make money because you can do more than one job at a time, but it also I, there is no world in which you're going to farm out work regularly where the in your eyes the quality doesn't suffer a little bit at least at least it's not going to be exactly how you'd have done it. You're not going to look at the images and, and typically and go, well, that's exactly what I would have done. I as soon, done as, soon as you
1: find that you've got the person working for you that's doing the work that you're just that is it's so amazing it's better than I would have done it's fantastic. That person's not going to be working for you for very long.
0: that's pretty true so I think what is the percentage of or or what would be your limit on that quality it's like when you, it's almost like uh, outsourcing your retouching and and you and I have both done some of that like you outsource retouching to other other companies and stuff and I tell people I like don't expect it to come back and look exactly like what you would do but try to look at it like your client would like is your client going to be happy with that uh, and then, then that's fine. I mean, obviously, you want to try and make the quality as good as you possibly can uh, when you outsource. But and, you know, there are photographers who have different rates; like they charge less for an associate photographer. But my biggest problem with that is, anytime we've had a situation where somebody says. My now my uh, Savannah, who's our assistant and studio manager, and Julie, who uh, my wife, who does a, a lot of the booking and stuff and working with clients. Whenever you say we're going to send you like an associate photographer, they immediately come back half the time and go, "No, no, we want the main photographer. We right. don't want the associate right. photographer." So, like I, you know, at this we point we say we have photographers on our staff that do this. Stature. I think that that's, that's important. It, that's a big distinction and we don't have any blowback. And here's the thing. They would never know the difference in most of these cases as who shot at me or one of the shooters that works for me. You know. And I think that um, if you have – I know wedding photographers that do that, but I really don't know more than a few that have quote-unquote associate shooters that have that work successfully. Nobody wants to feel like they're getting the B team.
1: You know I tell I, mean? I, I use the term associate photographer for weddings uh, all the time, and I never get any blowback from it. Um, I, I don't. I don't do it a lot, though, to be honest. Um, but um, yeah, that you know, I think that's a good point. If you if you start off with the whole someone will do someone who, from our company will do that. You immediately have pushed aside this idea that uh, Boo Ray Perry photography is Boo Ray Perry showing up and shooting your event. Uh, you know, it's rather – it's a company of photographers that show well, up and shoot you, your event.
0: when you're shooting your volume stuff in your beach weddings, that's for your other business, which is Perfect Florida Beach Weddings. Right. So there's yeah. nothing written in that says Ebb- for Florida Beach Weddings with photography by Boo Ray Perry Photography.
1: Well, no, you know, it is. It's photography by Boo Ray Perry Photography, but it's written in that you get one of my photographers. You don't get necessarily me. You just get a photographer right. from my company. Right.
0: In, in a certain it's almost like the what people say you know I call it like the McDonald's mentality it's like when McDonald's messes up your order and you're halfway a half a mile away down the road and you look in the bag and they gave you the fillet of fish instead of the big mac and you're like ah well it was six bucks it was McDonald's <laughs> you know so like the it, how what can you possibly expect from you know McDonald's yeah. and I think that and I think that um for the most part uh people the when they know that they're getting a deal or they're paying less for something I feel like that they're expectations are different, but managing those expectations and how you present that I think is extremely important to how that works with the client. Anytime you're going to deliver anything in your business, one of the most important things about being in business is managing your client's expectations as they come in, and I think that that, that's huge, And, and part of us doing that is... Not making the distinction as who shoots it because we we book event photography all the time and I don't shoot any of it unless there's n- nobody out who shoots for me is available to do it because I do not like going out and shooting events myself and plus the people that shoot events for me do at least as good a job as I would have done had I right. gone there right so there's there's no reason for me to make a distinction and say well you know I'm not available but. Uh, You know, one I I got a bunch of high school kids with uh, (laughs) with uh, with iPhones. I mean, shoot this job for me. As long as you keep the standard of quality high enough, I think that I don't think there's a difference. But it is you have to be careful how you present that.
1: It's a big step, though. It's a big step, though, when you decide you're going to let someone shoot under your name uh, on something like a wedding, for example. It's you know, it's a it's a big deal.
0: It's a, it, well. Most of the photographers that I know only do that if they're sick or something. Right. <laughs> it's like a like a family emergency, and somebody goes and covers it for them, which has happened to me in the past. Um, but for but for the most part, I think that as a business owner, it's a business decision, and you have to you know when you're approaching photography. For most of us, it's our art and hobby, but also our business. You know, we're like into it as our creative outlet, but approach your business in a way that's like, well, do I want to have three weddings this weekend, or or three, you know commercial headshot shoots or whatever and do i want to get paid for uh three of them or do i want to get paid for one of them and i think that as long as you manage the brand to say that um you know, this is what they're expecting. This very basic thing that pretty much any professional quality headshot or photographer can do. I'm happy to send somebody else out to do it to free me up to make more money elsewhere. Right. And if you're ne- and if you're never willing to expand, as long as you you make up in your mind that your business is the model where you're the artist. But I had a, a, a conversation with a friend of mine who is very. Um, he had uh, gone out of the photography business and back into sort of working in the corporate world, and he is he's happier in a way. He said this thing to me, which I'll never forget. He said, don't be the mule in your business. You'll never make real money if you are the mule. And I was like, well, I don't know that that's 100% true, but it's an interesting way to think about it. If work is only getting done, money is only being made when you are working, then there's going to be a ceiling on what you can earn. And so I think that that's an interesting thing way to think about it because if you go to a portrait photographer who is – they're the artist business model. They're the artist in their business and they're charging – they have to charge thousands of dollars or average thousands of dollars per sale because they're the only one working in their business. They're the only one creating the product. And so um, having those ideas of what you're going to do in your business I think is important. But getting back to uh, the, the ethical issue of how you do it, I think that um, in this situation, because you're my friend and we're partners on the show and we work together on a pretty regular basis and we talk all the time, there is no way in the world like I would never send anybody a job as casually as I sent it to you, <laughs> especially in, like – you know. and so I knew if something like that were to happen, I would totally trust that you would say, hey and, – and I was fine. I was like, hey, look, I cannot do it. I would have to tell them no anyway, so please go ahead and take the job. But in those cases, there are things that you can do to protect yourself, and I think that that's the thing that we should talk about.
1: Meaning, protect yourself, protect you when you when you when you give it off to somebody else.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, there's all kinds of like co- ways to get somebody to work for you under a contract, like with the scope of work and a non compete agreement. Um, uh, uh, there's a uh, limited liability and there's uh what was it? there's one that I'm trying to think of and it's like a kind of non-disclosure agreement like you're not going to talk about what I charge or my methods or who my clients are so that's important and I think that a lot of these things are available through many websites I know PPA has a lot of stuff like this like second shooter agreements and things like that but in general I would say that it's probably better if it's if it's because headshots are like they're my the, the bread and butter of my whole business so it isn't necessarily the smartest thing in the world for me to just refer headshot jobs out to somebody else when I can't do right. it If if it's an existing client like if it's a new job nobody somebody that I have never worked with before I feel a little bit better going hey you know uh, these are other people that I know that could do it I get individuals all the time who I'm, they need it done within the next couple of days and I can't get them in and so while there are photographers in my area that I will happily refer them to. But if it's an existing client, it's probably better in the future since you clearly did such a good job that they don't want me to come back.
1: <laughs> I did not. I, I did not do such a good job. Trust me. I, I saw the images and I know I did not do that. Yeah, that's not the case at all. I really – and we talked about this before. I really think it was just that this is the last guy I talked to and, and you know situation. And that's why when she came back to me, I said, well, OK. I just, everything's fine. I talked to her, blah, blah, blah. And then I called you because I'm like now we're getting into an ethical area where – if it comes back to Gary that they came back to me and I didn't say anything to Gary, is this going to be a problem for me and Gary? Because no job is worth a problem with me and Gary. You know, it w-
0: it, it would not have hurt our friendship, but I'm I'm glad I'm glad that you called me. But it could have,
1: no. you know, it, it, you know, because you referred that job to me, and then I just turn around and and then they come back to me, and and I you know I would have if you had said so, I would have gladly gone back to them and said, hey, um, you know, I got this job as a referral from Gary, so you know is there a reason you don't want to use Gary because if you can i you know i think that you should continue to use him now if you don't want to use him because you like me better okay fine then that's that is what it is but if but i don't think that's what it is if it's just because i'm the last name you called then hey i think maybe you should call Gary first and i would have done been your that.
0: winning personality like i don't have a contract with them and that brings up another interesting issue do you create a contract with your client where you give them a more advantageous rate on shoots, if they call you first, or if they you get first right of refusal on any new jobs, like that's something that you could do also. But I referred it to you full note food because this is a client that, for the most part, it's I got to drive out to Tampa, two hours away. Well, that's a big to, part of it. If it had been to to an go,
1: Orlando client, it would have been a whole different story.
0: Oh yeah, no. If it was an Orlando client, <laughs> it would have been different. But I I, I'm, I think that um, when you do stuff like that, when you behave ethically and show yourself to be. Um, you know, uh, willing to to go out of your way because honestly, you I don't think even ethically you had any obligation. Like they knew I existed. You shot for them. They called you again, and I don't think there was any obligation for you to to necessarily call me. But I think that it was an I think that it was the best thing to do. But there was no obligation. But like in these situations, I think that too I made a calculated decision when I referred it to you. I'm sure it was in the back of my mind going. Well, you know what? I wouldn't care if Bo Ray shot all these cuz I would go out drive to Tampa 2 hours to do two people's headshots and I have a minimum to do that. But even when I'm working for my minimum, it's still quite a bit of time. Like I could book whole something day. else in. And that's yeah, it's it's literally it's a whole day. And so it's real and they're not going to pay me a full day rate plus 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 to go and do two headshots. They would probably much rather work with somebody local for those small jobs. Now, right. so but, but yeah, I, I have no problem. You know, you, you can't – there was a job that I did for Kodak actually a couple of weeks ago and I was out to dinner with some other photographer friends and I think every uh, – four of the people in the room had, had bid on the exact same job. And it was uh, – because basically <laughs> – like they, they looked they looked up uh, uh, photographers on Google or whatever how they found them and four of the people in this room at this dinner had all been on it. They saw that I posted on social media that I shot it and they're like, oh, I see you won that bid. I was like, oh, you got it? And then it, there was three other photographers that were like, hey, yeah, I bid on that too. I bid on that too. And um, But it was cool. We all felt good that one of us got it because we all know that any of us would done, would, would have done a great job. And there's no community, no business in which you work in like ours that's going to be – if you're involved in your professional community like you and I are, that it's going to happen from time to time. Somebody you know is going to get a job that you didn't get and somebody – and I think that you have to sort of just go that's going to happen from time to time. And that competitiveness also, I think when you look at it positively – Is a good thing. I think it makes you be better. It's like, well, what can I do next time to make sure that I get it? Or not only that, but you can get information from them. Like I told them all what I bid, and we all talked about that and we're like, oh, okay. And we were all like in the ballpark. I mean I think the difference was like $100 (laughs) between the the winning and the next lowest bid out of what we saw. So I think that um, creating a friendly – group of photographers that you refer stuff to not only provides you more information but I think it's also knowing that the client ultimately got good work and if you're consistently losing work because you overcharge, that's one thing. But if you lose the odd job here and there to somebody that you know is going to do a great job, I don't think that you should really have any problem with that. It might even spur you to what can I do to try harder or to get out there more or what can I do with my pricing or my bidding process that's going to enable me to get that job the next time.
1: I actually say that to my clients when they come to talk to me about weddings. I say that if you don't go with me, uh, you know, I just hope that after meeting with me today, I've taught you enough about this wedding photography business that you'll go with someone who's going to do a good job for me for you because there are plenty of people who can do a good job for you around here and if you don't go with me because you're going with one of them I'm okay with that I, I tell right. them, I'm i like I'm fine with that I just don't want you to not go with me and then go with somebody who who screws your wedding up you know that's yeah. that's my fear for you. Yeah, any, any corporate client is not going to be looking at – most of the time they're not
0: emotionally attached to your work specifically. But I've had jobs come back to me because the first time they contacted me for a job, I wasn't available but I referred somebody great. And they come back to me again like people do appreciate that kind of professionalism where you go, look, I want to make sure that you get this job done. Here are a list of several people in the area that I recommend that I think would be a great fit. And I've had clients come back to me and go, hey, that worked out great. We wanted to get the opportunity to work with you because we felt like you did such a nice thing for us. And even to the point where that isn't going to happen a lot, but we even follow up when we refer another photographer and say, hey, how did that go? Did you end up finding a photographer? Are you recovered? Are you okay? And that little extra email, that one little extra thing has been very instrumental in bringing good clients back to us even if they didn't book us the first time. Huh.
1: Huh. That's a good idea.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I have a couple of those from time to time. Every once in a while? (laughs)
1: I did want to say uh, real quick before I forget we had an email from Rebecca and uh, I won't go into the email but I tried to write her back and it got bounced or for whatever reason Uh, but uh, Rebecca uh, no not at this time thank you that's all. (laughs) <laughs> she's a listener she's a listener she had a question in the email and, and it got bounced right before I came, when you started doing the podcast today I got the thing that my email returned to her had been bounced and so there we go if she listens she knows what I'm talking about that's all I got <laughs> there
0: was no there was no question in the email there was
1: a question and I'm answering it and the answer is no not at this time <laughs>
0: what was
1: the,
0: <laughs> now I gotta know what the question well, was I don't
1: want to say what the question was but I'll, talk, I'll tell you off the air but I'm not gonna tell you on the air because <laughs> it, it would be embarrassing to Rebecca
0: Oh, okay. Well, in that case, thanks for your email, Rebecca. And if you also, uh, listeners, want to have your email vaguely alluded to, please send us information and questions at photobombpodcast.com or send us a message on the Facebook page. Which, by the way, um, I think we could touch on this one. There was a cool article that I found that was posted on Petapixel because I do troll these websites. I'm going to see if I can pull that up now. By the way, did you
1: see today I posted the picture of Randy Van Dynen's family?
0: of his family?
1: Yes. I posted it because we will talk about it. We're going to come back and we will do, I know where you're going and this is a very good article you're talking about, but we're going to talk about this picture. Uh, pull up our Facebook oh, page. Oh, I see it. I'm looking at it right now.
0: How can I we not it. talk
1: about this? Uh, okay, hey, hey. How can we not talk about this picture?
0: Hey, which is the tall smug looking guy? Which one which was it? <laughs> I
1: just I just the the, the, the I can't tell which one's Randy. That's upsetting. I well, I, I, you know, that's. A, I gotta go with the guy in the middle, the one with the wild hair. That's Randy, right? Dead center. I
0: don't. No, I think it's the guy all the way on the right in the back row. If hey, listeners. No, jump on no, the no, Facebook no. Look at the smile.
1: It. It's the guy in the middle. It's Randy in the middle. Uh, ah, yeah, but maybe. let's talk about the pose. Can we talk about the pose? <laughs> can we? Can we talk about the vertical heads? Can we talk about? Uh, I mean, this, my friend, this is the golden age of studio photography right here. This so is much hair
0: light, so ni- much yes, hair Yes, nineteen ninety
1: five. Pile in. We're going to take your picture and come pick at your prints in a week.
0: This is there. The, is, there is no way this wasn't taken at JCPenney. There's just no way. Somewhere. And
1: and look at mom. There's a woman who is happy to have that many boys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> for for those of you listeners, jump onto the Photobomb Podcast Facebook page, and you'll see uh, our good friend of the show, and and several times been a guest on the show, Mister Randy Van Dyne, and his family portrait. I mean, this looks like a uh, like a messed up Brady bunch. It's a bunch of angry folks. It's like
1: a group, a mugshot. <laughs> Everybody <is> squared <laughs> off, straight to the camera. You know. Mom, mom really does stand out because she's literally the only person. Nope,
0: she, she's like not looking at the camera and she's not paying attention. I wonder how many glasses
1: of Chardonnay were involved in getting her to sit for this <laughs> I'm picture. I'm say it. This picture cracks me up. Oh, it cracks me up. Look at um, the look at the guy next to Randy on the on your left. Okay, he's uh, so far back compared to his dad that his head is half the size of his father. <laughs> <laughs>
0: This is actually how Randy got into professional photography. He saw this and he goes, something must be done. And then he sprang it to action – Cue the music, Randy!
1: And there he is. And you're right. Look at the hair light. You look at on on Randy. Look at the hair light. It's so bright, it's burning a hole in his neck. You, know, you see the it, bright the bright not, on his shoulders a, and his neck.
0: It's actually not a hair light. It's a UFO descending on the family. Yes. Is that's what's
1: causing? Them. And the one on Randy and the boy on Randy's left has got a shadow over half of his face being cast by his brother, who is blocking the main light. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, no this this is this is called. However, this is the thing I think about a lot when I look at old pictures. It really does not matter. At all? No. What matters like, is that they have it. That they that's got That's exactly picture. my point. Like, yes, you definitely want to have as, the a quality images, but they have a photo of their whole family. Yes, and, and a lot of people don't even have that. I yeah. think that's great. Yes. Now, uh, I'll say one more thing. Randy's dad totally looks like he could be the dad in, a, in like a family sitcom. This looks like the this is like the failed precursor to Growing Pains or something. Like this is like. The, 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 uh, the off-brand version of the Brady Bunch that got rejected after six episodes. Yeah, a, little, <laughs> a
1: little touch of, uh, of uh, Randy uh, – who played the brother-in-law in Vacation? Oh, uh, it's like uh, the brother. Oh, Randy Quaid. Thank yeah, you. A little yeah, touch yeah. of Randy yeah. Quaid. Just a little touch of Randy Quaid I, I, there. I absolutely got certainly the, got so, the blow dried hair and the mousse and the hair over the ears. I love everything about this. Every <laughs> every haircut in this picture I have at one time possessed. This is including moms. Yes, <laughs> yes, including moms. This, this this is this isn't a family photo. This is
0: this is a piece of American history. This right is Americana here. right here. Yes,
1: absolutely. <laughs> Oh, I love that, this picture! I just can't stop looking at it. <laughs> I'm <makes me> happy.
0: <laughs> it, it is. It is perfect in its own way. It really is. So, hey, Randy, uh, good for you for having this family photo. <laughs> That's great. Incidentally, Randy Van Dynen is coming on uh, our trip to Italy next month. So, oh. uh, my wa- Julie and I are taking a group of photographers and not photographers on a uh, Italian t- trip in Tuscany next month, and. Uh, and Randy has elected to come along, and uh, we're going to do some cool like light painting
1: and night photography of old castles and stuff. should be really fun. Now, that's the guy you want fun. with you, a uh, trip like that where there's going to be some architecture.
0: You are not wrong. Now, I wanted to briefly talk about this story, and it's a really <laughs> interesting piece of information. I mentioned on a couple episodes ago how I'm frustrated with Instagram because of mm-hmm. how follow people are so stingy with their followers. So what happens is people follow you, and then when you, they're trying to get you to follow them back – and then, as soon as the, and then they go back and unfollow you. And so, this article gives a lot of insight into it. That uh, there's there's specific programs, and this one is called Instagress specifically, that it basically bots go in and search certain hashtags, and they like and comment on stuff automatically. While you're not you're not even doing anything. It's just as logged into your thing and going and commenting on things to try and get people to follow you back. And the the writer of the article. For uh Petapixel actually put put up a fake Instagram account called uh, Canon underscore BW, like Canon Black and White. And um, it's just taking photos with his Canon cameras of stuff he has already taken and he just converts them to black and white and just starts posting stuff. The whole account was BS. And here's the thing that made me mad <laughs> is that I actually followed this account. <laughs> I've, been, That's I've been great.
1: Follow- it I've worked, been following it, it worked, the bot it worked. did.
0: I, it got me. I've been following this account for a while and liking a lot of the photos. Like these are some of these are really great photos. And I am reading the article, thinking, "Wow, this is really inf- informational." And all of a sudden, I am like, "Oh god,
1: <laughs> oh man, that's great!"
0: So, um, and, and there is some really interesting conclusions drawn from the article, and some, you know, uh, I think that overall, the thing that I that I gleaned from it is that having those numbers is very impressive having 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 followers it's very easy to sort of look at somebody's instagram account and you can almost infer from that how much how authentic the account is and and so i i will say this many many times it really doesn't matter how many followers you have it's what kind of interaction you're having with your followers what kind of engagement that they're do, that that you're getting from them are you getting comments and likes that are genuine and that are interested in what's going on and i think that um, People spend too much time worrying about the actual number of how many people follow them. And I think that it's better to have. A 1,000 dedicated followers who are actually people who are interested in what you're doing than it is 10,000 followers who are, you know, in in the Philippines or Kenya who don't really give a crap, you know, fake accounts and stuff like that just to get followers. And um, anyway, so I recommend hit, hit the uh, Facebook page and check out that article on Petapixel. There's a direct link right to it. It's really, really interesting stuff from behind the scenes of a guy who specifically started a fake Instagram account. And, and use this uh, use this bot program called Instagress just to see how many followers he could get and
1: what that interaction was. it was like. a very interesting really cool article. I, I read it and, and you're right very interesting as to how the whole botting thing works and, um, and how you can also how you can go and look at an account and tell if they're botting it'll tell you that uh, so you, you can go look at an account and be like, oh look they're liking like 20 pictures in 15 seconds and they're liking 24 hours a day they're botting yeah you know, they're <laughs> yeah. botting. Uh, yeah. You know, on that same subject, by the way, uh, uh, with social media, I've had like two or three people this week on Facebook uh, announce that they just had gone in and cut like a thousand friends. I, you know, I, I dumped a thousand friends from Facebook, and I don't ever do that. I don't ever drop friends from. Fa- I feel like I feel like your friends list on Facebook is no longer this sacrosanct, Thing, that your friends list on Facebook is now like the yellow pages or the white pages, the phone book. That your <laughs> yes. friends list is now just a master list of every person you've ever met or every person they've ever met in the world so that it's easier for them to find you and get a hold of you if they want to. If you want to cut that list down, you create a group and then you yeah. put all the people who you just really want to talk to in that group well, or yeah, or, they don't all
0: have to be your friends. I mean, I, there are so many people I'm friends with on Facebook that I hate. Yeah, I just <laughs> you know, just
1: unfollow them. But I don't unfriend anybody because because now Facebook is becoming your address book. Absolutely. Well, if you're if you're out
0: there right now and you're thinking Am I one of the ones that Gary hates? Yes, I do. If you, <laughs> it is you. If you thought they, if you, the thought up in your head is probably you, doesn't mean we can't be friends on Facebook. Well, just just you I know, hate. like
1: when you first join Facebook, you immediately friend like fifty people from your graduating high school class, and then in the last four years, I haven't seen a single post by a single one of those people. But I'm not going to well, go. Yeah. I'm not going to dump them all. If I ever need to get a hold of anyone from my high school class, I can find them easily on Facebook because they're friends of mine. Absolutely. Uh, you know, so I, yeah, I, I. But I do think it's interesting how Facebook has moved that way. That they are becoming more of a underlying bedrock to your internet experience, as opposed to being this nichey thing like you know Facebook or like 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 Instagram or whatever it is. It's becoming more of a this is your central destination. This is your home. This is where you, this is your your home base, and it's got everybody you've ever met. It's got, they're all here. But, but yeah, I, I but you go to a, other places now for the nichey stuff.
0: Unfriending people who you disagree with. They're politics or like they post too many pictures of their stupid kids or you know like the it, i mean you could definitely unfollow anybody but i don't want to not have that connection you know because we do we use facebook in such a specific way to, to get our message out there for our business and other stuff that we have going on that I would like to reach as many as possible I don't necessarily want to have a bunch of Facebook friends that are people I'm not actually connected to in some way but I don't need to like get it down to the 150 people that I actually all want to communicate with you know um, but I guess it really depends on how you use it but as a business person not having that connection like if I share something from my business page onto my personal page it adds a thousand people to the reach like, why wouldn't you want that? You know, right. I don't understand. Yeah. Just because I don't want to hear how much somebody is against what – you know, environmental group is doing, or whether they think that the Earth is a flat circle. You're stupid if you do. But if you, you know, it's just—I don't care about what you think about stuff. It doesn't make me not want to. It's—it's like trying to pretend that they—they don't exist. You know, and I don't know that that really makes any sense at all. Creating that what they call the echo chamber, so that the only things you're exposed to are the ideas that you agree with. You know, I had this conversation with somebody else. We had a vigorous—I oh, was this the, the PPA charities uh, committee or Board of Trustees meeting, which I serve on that Board of Trustees, we were talking about something, and debate was respectful, but it was uh, spirited about a particular issue, and a lot of ideas went back and forth. And afterwards, one of the other board members was like, you know, I felt like I was just being the bad guy in the room, and, and, I, thought, and I said, no, I said, debate is the crucible of, of, of rational thought and good ideas. Like, you cannot shield yourself from debating or talking about something like you just have to change how you think about debate someone disagreeing with you isn't disrespectful someone disagreeing with you doesn't hurt you it it, it adds to your knowledge it adds to your ideas it makes you think about things and maybe you and you may not change your mind and most of the time we don't but i mean they over time it makes you better and more experienced and a more knowledgeable person. And I think it's just so stupid to try and – I don't necessarily think it's stupid. I think that it's naive to try and narrow your social media down to only the stuff that you agree with and, and cat videos.
1: Yes. <laughs> you know? Well, I'm 100 percent in your quote on that because that's my – you just described my life. My wife has many times had to go to people and explain, no, Boure does like you. It's just that Bure really enjoys a good argument. <laughs> <laughs> he, Absolutely. You know, he, there's, uh, I I love a good debate because it's when people change my minds. It's when you learn new things. Um, the problem with you know Facebook and social media is that no one has a good debate anymore. It just it's just name calling and and hyperbole. And uh, you know when the the we started off the podcast with the United uh, with the thing about United Airlines and I saw someone online post about that and how it was crazy and ridiculous that they did this. And I took a second where I was just about to go in there and go well you know what's curious is that. It was four pilots they were trying to put on the plane And so if those four pilots don't get on the plane A whole plane load of people is going to get bumped And actually it's in the contract So there's actually two sides And then I realized that's not going to work because no one really, so many people don't want to hear two sides. So many people don't want to really consider things, you know. And 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 that's that's not. what's a shame is that no one wants to sit down much anymore and and rationally like let's look at both sides of this and hey, change my mind. I love it when someone yeah. changes my mind.
0: <laughs> you just need an outlet for your impotent rage, then go for it, yeah. man. You're going to be the guy that some, everybody's going to want to unfollow. Although if you've never seen anybody post on their Facebook page, just follow unfollowed a thousand friends, and I feel so much better. If you've never seen one of those, you're the friend that always gets unfollowed. It means you're probably terrible. That's right. I'm just
1: <laughs> out. That's right. there's a thousand people you're unfollowing because you never see anything from them, guess what? <laughs> you were unfollowed years ago.
0: <laughs> yeah. You're you're not in the loop. You are yeah. you are out.
1: You are out. All right. I I'm I'm done. You got anything else you need to add? No,
0: that? that about wraps up our time. Um I think that um we have some cool stuff coming up. What do you got coming up, Boone? Uh
1: Well, I will be in Tallahassee uh, next week, April 17th in Tallahassee. Just go to tppg.org, and I'll be there uh, talking about 5-Minute Photography. And then coming up in June, June 5th, I'll be at PPMA. Go to ppma.net. That's Mississippi, Alabama, doing a full day on 5-Minute Photography, live shooting models, and uh, the whole thing. So that's all coming up in June. And I've got more stuff coming out throughout the rest of the year, but right now, that's what's coming up immediately. Also, uh, a big shout-out to uh, the folks up in Minneapolis who had me in on April 2nd I just got back from there uh, and uh, it was fantastic it was just a great uh, convention all the way around great speakers and maybe we'll talk about that a little bit next week uh, um, wonderful speakers and a uh, super job running the show there and I was just really impressed with the whole operation uh, yeah they're a
0: great group I love the Minnesota group is fantastic really a great really
1: group. Are, yeah. you really know are do- you know what I thought was cool was uh, they gave me a little gift bag and all the stuff in the gift bag was, uh, was Minneapolis centric
0: I love it when when conventions do that, and it's all like you know you get a, a can of soda from a local place, and yeah. like, you know all that kind of stuff. Because yeah, it was stuff I didn't
1: local. know. She was like, "This is in a Target bag because Target is is headquartered here." I'm like, "I did I did not know that." She's like, "Yes, Tar- yeah, I, I did not Target Target about, Target yeah. is headquartered here." I'm like, oh, "I didn't know that." You know, and here's a the local barbecue know. sauce and a local. So it was very cool. But uh, they did a great job. I really had a good time up there. What about you? Um, I
0: will be uh, coming up in a little over a week. I will be speaking at Shutterfest Extreme in uh, St. Louis. Really looking forward to it. never been before. Um, seems seems like a lot of good energy, and a lot of people have a great time there. I'll be doing a program on the twentieth um, called Master Your Marketing, and it's all about uh, using social media, your blog, and search engine optimization, and email marketing, combining traditional and new forms of marketing to make sure that you are booked and fill up your calendar. And coming up in June, I'll be in. Um, I will be in San Diego and following that, Austin, Texas, to do two programs there. So all of that information on, on everywhere we're going to be and speaking and doing stuff can be found on com. Right on the homepage, there's a list of all the places and we add to it every time we kind of – Book something new. So, if you want to see us in person or you want to come see us do our thing, or uh, it's totally fine if you're completely sick of the sound of both of our voices that <laughs> and yeah. you don't want to see us in person, I will tell you there's a solid chance that uh, meeting us in person is a disappointment compared to the show. Uh, but, you know, come out and just roll the dice. See how it goes. It's fine. You know, you have a great time. We will. I do want to mention, I know it's far out, but I do want to mention to plan to come to Orlando um, if you can get here for Focus 28, uh, 2017. Which is the convention of the Florida Professional Photographers? We will be doing Photobomb Podcast live. There will be some surprises in there, some fun stuff, and we had a great crowd the last time and had a blast uh, recording a couple of episodes there at the convention. Not to mention, you'll also have Lindsay Adler speaking, Jared Platt, and uh, our good friend Pete Rizak, and some other great Ted great Linzac, instructors. If you're a
1: wedding shooter, you cannot go wrong with Ted Linzak. He uh, he wins every award in the book. Uh, yeah, he's a shooter. Just,
0: yeah, so there's some, there's some incredible instructors. Just go to ruinfocus.com and get all that information there. If you're from another state, if you're not from Florida, that's totally fine. It's, most of the time you can find cheap flights to Orlando. Bring the family to Disney. Come see some great speakers and write the whole dang trip off. It should be a really good time. But I think Absolutely. that's
1: all I got. All right. Join our Facebook page, facebook.com slash photobombpodcast, because there's always lots of great information there. And it's worth it just for the picture of Randy Van his family. Trust me on this. <laughs> Photobomb Podcast, just go to Facebook.com and search Photobomb Podcast. Uh, you can find us online at uh Facebook, I'm sorry, at And you can send us questions. Send them to questions at photobombpodcast.com. That's it. We'll see you next week.
0: All right, see you later. <laughs>